of the sky! Look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Matt Spectro through the multiverse! Thanks for joining us yet again for another exciting episode of Matt Spectro through the Multiverse. As always, I am your host, Matt Spectro, and thanks for joining us for the podcast that talks comic books and talks animation. Welcome to episode 102, believe it or not. I'm going to briefly explain the rules and then we're going to kick off the show. Rule number one, like I said, we talk comic books, we talk animation. It's uh, pretty much the long and short of it. Rule number two. I'm a huge fan of the old team-up comic books. Marvel team-up. DC Comics presents Brave and the Bold. So it's a team-up podcast every week. A special guest joins me and we talk comic books. We talk animation. Rule number three and most important, we got to have fun. And like I said, welcome to episode 102. Going to bring out my guest. Uh, he's been on before. It's been a while. Last time he was here, he talked to Teen Titans. Welcome back to the multiverse, the one, the only, Robbie Sherman. Hello. Thank you for having me again, Matt. I appreciate you. Oh, welcome back. Always a pleasure to have you on and talk comics and talk animation. How you doing, Robbie? I seem to be getting along okay so far. Yeah, it's been a long day, but hey, you know, I'm excited to talk about Black Cat. Spider-Man, <laughs> two of my favorite fictional characters just all around. My fans appreciate you. The listeners appreciate you joining us. And like you said, this week we're going to do something kind of different. Uh, we're going to spotlight on a more not as well-known character. We're going to be talking about the Black Cat. Now, I've added a new feature since you last been here. Uh, I don't know. We start every episode with a little bit of trivia. That was fun. I try and stump my guests with a little bit of trivia. Uh, so far, most of my guests are doing pretty good. Uh, not, not great, not a perfect track record, but they're doing all right. I'm terrible at trivia. <laughs> I, have, I, have, I have horrible test anxiety. School was hell. I don't know why they made me go through it the way they did. It's nothing but tests. I hated that place. But <laughs> let's get going. <laughs> I'm going to put you on the spot. I tried to keep it relatively simple. Do you want a uh, Spider-Man trivia question first or a Black Cat trivia question? I, I don't know. I, I have plenty of opportunity to fail at both, so let's just go with the <laughs> Spider-Man. <laughs> All right, Spider-Man. All right, back in the uh, early 2000s, we saw the first ever Sam Raimi live-action Spider-Man, one of Stan Lee's earliest cameos where he played the man on the street saving the little girl. What part did Stan Lee originally want to play in the first Spider-Man live-action film? Oh, I... I have no idea about that. <laughs> I truly don't. I, I've never even looked into that. That's that's. I didn't know there was another part that he wanted to play for that at all. So you don't you don't even want to wager a guess. I I, I can't even wager a guess. I don't know what he would want to do. Yeah. In the original Spider-Man film directed by Sam Raimi, Stan Lee wanted to play J. Jonah Jameson. Oh, okay. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Look at him. <laughs> Uh, Sam Raimi, I believe, told him that uh, that was too big of a part <laughs> for Stan to take. You know, I would have liked to have seen that because Stan is like this, the happy-go-lucky. I, I can't imagine a whole movie of him being grumpy and yelling at people. Oh, no, we already got the perfect Jay Jonah Jameson in that series. We don't, we don't need Stan Lee bucket that up, let me tell you. All right, I, I'm confident you're going to get this one. Okay, okay. In 2002, Black Cat was featured in her first ever own miniseries what movie writer and director wrote that miniseries yeah i i <laughs> yeah you're stumping me again i i can't i can't even tell, recall i'm so sorry i feel so silly <laughs> it's all right <laughs> I, I i put you on the spot I, uh... this is what i get for not listening to your show for a while <laughs> i put it on the back burner i should have been expecting trivia the writer of the Black Cat miniseries from 2002 was the one and only writer and director of such films as Cloaks, Chasing Amy, Dogma, the one and only Kevin Smith. 
course, he's doing everything. I should have known. Kevin Smith can't keep his hands out of the pie. You know what I'm saying? Well, that uh, that miniseries actually took three years for him to complete. Oh, wow. Uh, a whopping four issues. He started it in 2002, didn't, didn't complete until 2005. I thought maybe he had like like thirty issues of the thing <laughs> that he shoved out between movies or something like. <laughs> I don't think he's ever completed a series on time. I think Green Arrow he came the closest to having every issue out on time, but uh, uh, Daredevil I think he did good too. I think it was like the last issue of of that story that he did that was late. Uh, but Black Cat and uh, the the Daredevil Bullseye miniseries, which I still don't think has ever been completed to this day. All right. Well, I'm sorry. We're... <laughs> I hope you. Would I'm sorry, than... people of the Spectroverse. I I came in with guns a blazing, but I couldn't put out. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so we're gonna start. Obviously, we're gonna talk a little Spider-Man, but we're gonna be talking the Black Cat. Now, anyone who doesn't know, first appeared back in 1979, Amazing Spider-Man 194, created by Marv Wolfman, Keith Pollard, and Dave Cockrum. You, you had wanted to talk Spectacular Spider-Man, and I, I wanted to talk a more obscure character. So we made a compromise, and we agreed Spectacular Spider-Man episode on the Black Cat, which I think it was a it works out the best for both of us, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. I, this is a really excellent <laughs> episode of the series, and you, you, get such a, you get such a good depiction of the Black Cat and Spider-Man relationship based on what had come before already. Yeah. Now, uh, interestingly enough, uh, she was not originally intended to be Spider-Man's girlfriend. Originally, Marv Wolfman was writing Spider-Woman, and he had planned to introduce her in that series. But he ended up getting the Amazing Spider-Man writing assignment, so he then decided to introduce her in Amazing Spider-Man and make her a romantic interest for old webhead himself. Yeah, it was a good call. Um, I don't know. I, I think the... Uh... <laughs> I think Catwoman came first. Yeah, by quite some, by decades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think maybe there's a little bit of bleed, you know, between those characters going on. You know, the 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 idea of a thief romantic interest feels too shared between the two, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, we got one's Catwoman, one's Black Cat. They're both cat burglars. They're both, they're both a romantic lead for our hero. She's Felicia Hardy, the black cat, is coming to her own over the years. But yeah, there's there's no denying that she's essentially a glorified cat woman, Nanko. Yeah, but it gave a it gave Peter a lot of complexity to work with for comics then. You know, it was a great addition because I, I think the idea that he's always in some kind of weird love triangle that's never fully resolved throughout the series is one of the most enduring parts of Spider-Man's history. Well, what's fascinating is she's the first superhero or supervillain that Spider-Man was ever involved with romantically. Up to that, it had been Gwen Stacy, Mary Jane, uh, Betty Brant. Yeah. There was that other blonde girl, Deborah something, that had a run. I can't remember her name now. Um, no one's worried about her. <laughs> <laughs> no one's worried about Deborah. Okay. I don't even know if she even exists anymore. I can't remember the last time she actually appeared. Uh, probably not. I haven't been reading those comics and I think she was one of those ones where uh, she was convinced Peter Parker was Spider-Man. So he then put the costume on and took the mask off. And then she she realized how silly she was being. There's no way Peter could really be Spider-Man. And thanked him for pulling this ruse off to set her head straight. <laughs> there's, a, <laughs> there's a moment in the series where Peter shows up to like a parade or something dressed as Spider-Man. <laughs> And everyone's just like, whoa, cool costume, Pete. Good job, man. It'd be crazy if you really were Spider-Man. Yep. <laughs> That'd be wild. <laughs> and interestingly enough, uh, Felicia Hardy, the black cat, she found out Peter Parker's secret identity before Mary Jane did. Yeah, yeah. And that was part of what made her uh, more interesting as a character, I think, too, uh, as she went along in the series because she had this duality with Peter for a long time that Mary Jane actually didn't. And it makes you think that maybe Peter loved her in a certain way that he 
didn't love Mary Jane <laughs> for a while. Like there's a trust between those two. But then the catch was later on is she wasn't really turned on by Peter Parker. You know, she wanted him to keep the mask on. She was, she was turned on by Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know a lot of people who talk about being turned on by Peter Parker, honestly. <laughs> you know, I never heard one girl that was just like, Ooh, that Peter B. Parker. Hmm. Well, if you read, the, if you remember the old Stan Lee Ditko, Gwen Stacy was oddly fascinated with Peter Parker. Um, <laughs> but then I, I, I remember he ran off to change and she thought he was a coward and that, that kind of, she kind of lost interest. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. That's, just one time and you lose all that. Let me tell you, <laughs> if you're lucky enough as a man, you get some natural attraction from a woman and then you do something that just completely screws it all up and it's, it never, it never comes back. <laughs> So, uh, interesting enough, Marv Wolfman came up with the idea. Uh, Dave Cockrum had done the original costume design, and Keith Poehler drew the first issue that she appeared in. She kind of disappeared for a little bit and then came back in Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man. That's when she became the love interest. And the, the bad luck power she has that's described as the affecting the probability of luck, Marv Wolfman says he got the idea from that from the old Tex Avery cartoon, Bad Luck Blackie. <laughs> <laughs> wow okay i did i didn't know that if you remember that cartoon where the the, the black caddy he, he helps the kitten he's like just ring the ring the bell and no blow the whistle i think it was and he would walk in front of the the dog's pad but she didn't actually develop those powers until later on where uh spider-man was always worried that she was going to get in trouble so she got those powers and i believe it was bill mantlo and al milgram who had written the story that led to her actually getting the bad luck powers in the 90s Spider-Man series, she doesn't really have that power, if I remember correctly. She's just kind of a thief that he's involved with. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I just think it's so funny how tenuous that power feels and how her like identity doesn't even feel connected to having a power. Yeah, because sometimes, depending on the writer, it doesn't even come up, and sometimes it does. I haven't read a story with her in a while, so I don't know. It, it wouldn't surprise me over time if that whole bad luck thing has just gone the wayside. Yeah, I, I haven't been able to afford like regular comic books for a while, so I, I really don't know what they're doing <laughs> with her at the moment. Well, I know that idiot Zeb Wells said something about how she's Spider-Man's equal, if not better, and I'm like, you're writing Spider-Man. Have you never read a Spider-Man comic? How is she Spider-Man's equal in any way? No, <laughs> without... Without Spider-Man, there's no, like, black cat character. And she can't, like, do even a quarter of the things he can pull off naturally. And that's not a knock on her. She doesn't have any powers. I mean, No, it's not. But that's just the fact of the matter. He's, like, crazy strong in a way that most human beings aren't. I'm sure she's not near as strong or as, like, just, just useful as he is all the time. We're going to get into it a little bit more, but in the comic and the cartoon, there's a little bit more of a sexuality than there normally is to a superhero's girlfriend when it comes to Black Cat. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and uh, this this cartoon does not, like, mince anything out. It, it does not cut down on that whatsoever. And the first time I watched this, uh, probably about four or five years ago, it it was crazy to me. Like I couldn't believe I had missed this when it was on WB. <laughs> Comics in the day, if a character wasn't married, they had girlfriends, but black cat was one of the few times I can remember where it was heavily insinuated. They were getting busy. <laughs> oh yeah. And, and not just holding hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thankfully, like I'm 30 years old. So my adolescence is kind of spent with a lot of the more ultra violent aspects of the nineties and nineties comic books. So I didn't, I wasn't like getting like super heavily censored relationships growing up all the time. But even then I kind of knew there was something a little more to what Spider-Man and black cat have going on. Now what a fascinating aspect of the relationship. Well, it's fascinating to me, not everybody, but, uh, and I think it was Peter Parker and the Spectacular Spider-Man issue 100, they broke up and it wasn't because of infidelity or an evil twin or she, Peter Parker broke up with her because to him, she didn't seem to want to have a life outside of their superheroing life. And she was in love with Spider-Man, but not Peter Parker. And he needed more. And I was just at the time, and I still kind of find it fascinating that they broke up for like 
normal like human reasons almost like everyday reasons like they didn't want the same thing out of life sure that's a that's one of the things that makes spider-man an enduring character he's a down-to-earth character you know (laughs) his problems amount to everyday problems usually outside of the superheroic stuff he 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 was one of the first comic book characters to be a grounded kind of down-to-earth person (laughs) it's it's one yeah i i totally agree with you that is a a great thing (laughs) to just have him do to just have him be this regular person who their goals don't align and a healthy relationship has to have goals that align between each other. Yeah. There's so many times where like one of them dies or they're actually a bad guy or they're uh, an evil doppelganger, but you know, he pretty much dumped her because like she didn't want the same thing out of life that he did. Yeah. And I like the, I like the idea that Peter Parker wants to have a normal life like throughout the series, as well as being the super heroic figure with mystique that he has so this is going to lead us into the subject of our cartoon we're watching today spectacular spider-man hard to believe that there's still a spider-man cartoon that i haven't talked about in my 102 episodes but this is the first time i've talked about spectacular spider-man this one is kind of the underdog of the spider-man cartoons but i honestly think it's the best one spider-man created by stan lee and steve didko cartoon debuted back in 2008 Adelaide Productions with Culver Productions, Marvel Entertainment and Sony. Ran two seasons. The first season ran on the CW but the second season ran on uh, Disney XD and uh, it was developed by uh, Greg Weissman and uh, Victor Cook. Now I've always kind of compared this to Batman in the animated series in the sense was it has a more stylized art style and they did kind of a not like a total change, but they redesigned a lot of the looks, a lot of the classic villains. Now, are you are you comparing this to more more in style to that second like run of Batman the Animated Series that they called the New Batman Adventures, where they completely redid the art style from the first run of Batman the Animated Series? I mean, kind of. It's just kind of like when Batman came out, Animated Series or the New Adventures is. It had a stylized art that you hadn't really seen in a lot of cartoons. Yeah. And the same with most of the Spider-Man cartoons previous to this one. They were a lot more straightforward, and this has a more stylized art style. And how Batman the Animated Series, they tweaked a lot of the villain designs where they were still the same but slightly different. I feel like this happened on this cartoon as well. When this came out, I, I was not fond of the animation style. I thought it felt cheap compared to the 90s series, but now that I'm a little older, I realized some of that was nostalgia getting in my eyes (laughs) because I I was watching that like from probably from the time I was a baby, you know, up until this had come out. So I was pretty heavily into that and, you know, had a lot of respect for it. And I, like I said, I I got into this about 45 years ago and I just absolutely love the storytelling of it. And it does have really fluid animation when you get away from the idea that they're hyper stylized. You said you were 30. So when this came out, you were, it was what, 15 years, 15. So you were 15 when this came out. So you weren't really a child as much of a teenager. So we, yeah, we, yeah. I, I was more of a teen and I was kind of turning off from this. There were Nickelodeon cartoons that looked like this. And I was a little frustrated by that. It gave me a wild Thornberries uh, vibe the first time I saw it. And I was never a big fan of that show. So I kind of missed out on this one. It was on the CW and Disney FD. I was wrong. Past Robbie screwed up. He, he should have been championing this show for a long time, let me tell you. It was actually scheduled to originally run for five seasons, but with the purchasing of Marvel from Disney, ended up being a legal dispute where Sony had the television rights, but Disney owned some of the other rights. So as a result, they only ran the two seasons. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't even know that for a while after I started watching it. <laughs> Sony is smart. They will never give up the rights to Spider-Man because look at all the things they've done in the the last 20 years. Oh, my God. Into the Spider-Verse. I haven't gotten to see the the sequel yet, but 
instantly my favorite Spider-Man movie. Like even above the Raimi films, big fan of the Raimi films, but those are the ones that I think actually understand the Spider-Man universe and (laughs) the, the relationships the most as far as the big movies go. Yeah. I, as, as recording this, I've, I saw into the spider verse, but, uh, what, what's the new one? Across? I haven't seen across the spider verse. That is the, the second one, right? Yeah. Across, I, yeah. I, I haven't seen. Yeah. I saw the first one. I haven't seen the, the second one yet, but also, I mean, Sony did Spider-Man no way home. And what is that? Like the, the fifth highest grossing movie of all time, which I'm, I'm told I was totally fine with. I think that one's probably going to age the most of all those, but I also thought it was the most fun because I thought the two previous ones, well, the first one with Tom Holland, that's one of the better Spider-Man movies. Michael Keaton as the Vulture, that's an all-time good Spider-Man performance. Hell yeah. And, like, let me tell you, I never liked the Vulture as a character. The Vulture me, kind of sucks, but Michael Keaton brought his A-game for that, and it was sweet. Yeah, I'm 100%. That's what yeah. made the Vulture a likable character. Like, he's actually working for his family and building something up that matters. <laughs> I don't think anyone would cared if Michael Keaton hadn't played Vulture in that movie. Oh, yeah, no one would have cared, but it was just icing on the cake for sure. Yeah. Because I, I love a huge Michael Keaton fan. So they only ran the two seasons, and it was uh, Spider Man High School, and he looked. Um, He's a junior in high school when the show starts the first season. Yeah. Now, uh, also, uh, apparently, I don't know it's because of it ended quicker than intended. This really has a cult following. In fact, as of this year, there's a hashtag save spectacular Spider-Man petition that has over 22,000 signatures. Man, I'm really out of the loop. I got to get on top of that. <laughs> Give me more of this. Josh Keaton is still around. He could do this. Like, ugh. Yeah. Uh, he made a video, I believe, for the petition. Ah, yeah. Uh, God and, bless Josh Keaton. Well, there's something else spectacular Spider-Man related recently with Josh Keaton, but I, I don't, I, I don't know if I want to spoil it for oh, you. Oh, I, I already know. Every, yeah, <laughs> the internet spoils everything for me, buddy. But <laughs> if you don't want to spoil it for your audience, I get that too. All right. Well, a major spoiler coming up. So turn off. Don't stop listening. Just turn the volume down for like the next ten. <laughs> Josh Keaton does reprise his role in into the, across the Spider Verse as Spectacular Spider Man. <sighs> does my heart good? Uh, let me tell you. So we're going to talk about the Black Cat in animation now. I didn't know this, but the, I thought she, I knew she had appeared in the '90s series, but the Black Cat actually first appeared back in 1981 episode of the Spider Man cartoon called Curiosity Killed the Spider Man. Oh, okay. Is that the Ruby Spears one? It was the one that preceded uh, Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Yeah, okay. That only had like one season. Yep. It functions as a like stiff but faithful telling of Spider-Man stories. Yeah. I had no idea she appeared in that. And that was only two years after her first appearance. So she's uh, she's been in animation uh, quite some time. Yep. So we decided to talk the first episode with her. Spectacular Spider-Man, the episode Persona. This original air date, May 17th, 2008, directed by Dan Fawcett, written by Matt Wayne. We're going to go over some of the uh, the voice acting. Spider-Man, like we already said, Josh Keaton does his voice. Uh, he's been working uh, tons of voice work. He does the voice of young Hercules in the Disney 90s Hercules film. Uh, he was uh, Wally West in Crisis of Two Worse. You're uh, damn right he was, <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> He's uh, been Hal, Hal Jordan and Wally West in various DC projects over the years. So uh, he's done quite a lot. Uh, a lot of video games as well of the characters. Now the Black Cat, Trisha Helfer has done her voice. Uh, she's done voice work as well as acting. She was uh, Cylon 6 in the revamped Battlestar Galactica. She's also in the Lucifer TV show. Oh, I've never watched it. Uh, she appeared in a few episodes of Two and a Half Men. Oh, I'm, I'm sure that's a high point of her career. <laughs> uh, and she uh, she did a voice in the uh, Green Lantern animated film First Flight as well. Oh. Let me tell you, I feel so bad for every woman that has ever appeared on Two and a Half Men. <laughs> I just want to take him and hold him and tell him everything's <laughs> going to be okay. You can, you can move on from this. 
Hey, Val, that show was on for 12 seasons. <laughs> 12 seasons too long, remember. <laughs> I actually tried to, this is totally off the subject. I bet me and my wife tried to rewatch the whole show and I got into the second season with Ashton Kutcher and I'm just like, all right, I'm done with this. I can't do this anymore. Didn't they have like four seasons with Yes, four with that guy. My God, that show was unstoppable. What is wrong with this country? <laughs> and finally, the chameleon. He's the big bad of this episode, created by Stanley and Steve Ditko. He's voiced by Steve Bloom. He's done plenty of voices. He was Spike Siegel in Cowboy Bebop. He's voiced uh wolverine in the wolverine and the x-men anime show have you seen that the wolverine one yeah the yeah the x-men anime show i've not i did an episode on the blade animated show but i've never actually seen the x-men one i like the blade one not a fan of the x-men anime <laughs> i'll have to i'll have to do it he also voices green goblin on the same cartoon as well yeah all right there you have it folks robbie and i are going to take a break we're going to watch spectacular spider-man persona you should watch it too come back and join us we'll be right back the newest red white and bluest superheroes dropping in on kids wb the spectacular spider-man coming saturday march 8 to kids wb Okay. You can swing into Burger King and get a BK Kids Meal with a spectacular Spider-Man toy. One per Kids Meal, now at Burger King. I'm okay. Now the action is more spectacular than ever with Wisecracking Spider-Man. Who's your favorite web slinger? Spider-Man action figure. <laughs> and Zoom and Go Racers. Wisecracking Spider-Man and spectacular Spider-Man figures and vehicles, each sold separately. Meanwhile, behind the facade of this innocent-looking podcast... Watch Spectacular Spider-Man Persona. How long it had been since you've seen the show? I hadn't watched it since last year. I've been trying, like, since I first watched it about four or five years ago, I've been trying to go through it every year or so since then because I, I don't want it to get so stale that I can't enjoy it. But I also, I, I want to keep it in my head. I, I think it's definitely the best spider-man adaptation we've we've gotten as far as these little cartoons the one that came not after this one but after the uh the the one that replaced this one ultimate spider-man i think it is yeah i think you're correct it's got okay animation but he's a little too deadpool throughout it and there's not like good human shapes like this one and then the one the one disney replaced this one with i'm not a big fan of it all <laughs> is that the one that's just spider-man yeah i think it's just called spider-man and they really scramble some things up and yeah it's a mess and plus it doesn't even have as good of animation as this show does like it's got nothing compared to the action scenes on this well i i've never seen this particular episode before um i've seen the show before because a couple of months ago my daughter found it on netflix and she was she went through a couple of weeks of watching it and then she got bored of it but so I had seen it before, but she's only three. Give her a break. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> she can she can appreciate the complexity later on. How about that uh, theme song? Uh, the Tender Box does that spectacular Spider-Man theme song. I never heard of him, have you? 
Man, the tender box. That's a horny name. <laughs> That's perfect for the show. <laughs> so, pretty good theme song, though. I wonder if they have, I'll have to look up, uh, see if they have any other hits. I think it does. I got to admit, you know, I'm a little bored with this sort of like 2000s alt rock, but also it works really well with the show and it has a slight tinge of psychedelia that harkens back to the more famous Spider-Man music. So we open uh, Spider-Man is, uh, well, Peter Parker, I should say, is running to get home because uh, he wants to watch the space shuttle just came back and uh, apparently an alien parasite had attached itself to the space shuttle. Now, he's in the Marvel Universe. Is this really all that interesting or special? Like, doesn't this kind of shit happen every day? I don't know where this thing sits in the Marvel universe at all. Like, cause in this show, he doesn't really interact with any other superheroes that I can recall. It's mostly based around him and there doesn't seem to be any other vigilantes <laughs> screwed around. At least not that I can recall. Kirk Connors is going to study this, but uh, he talks to Eddie Brock who uh, they, they won't let him, come in no visitors so uh he's gonna sneak in as spider-man is i mean is he really surprised that uh an alien life form is fine and they're not gonna let a, a high school junior go and visit it well the thing is in the series before this he had screwed up and they had kind of they had let him go because he was working in their lab with them so that's the whole reason he can't go and see it and i i also think it's totally Spider-Man's whole fault that this all happens because he just shows up to like take a glance at it. He's he's totally going out of his bounds. Like that's not why he's a superhero. <laughs> and uh, right when he's going to go in, he sees the black cat breaking in, and then we cut to our opening credits. Now, I wrote them down, but I couldn't write them all down. There are some great lines on this show from Black Cat. Oh man, I and, <laughs> uh, almost every line that got for her is a winner. Like this whole which, episode is solid, which really plays into my. Uh, <laughs> there's definitely some implication that uh, they're 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 getting busy, <laughs> if not on this episode, but soon. Are you referring to the like webbing in the hairline? <laughs> there's so many. <laughs> <laughs> well, first, uh, you know, she does the old trope of the. You know, the hairspray that exposes the laser security. He even calls her a hot cat burglar. He has a line about how it's weird that he, he's saving the icky alien from the beautiful damsel. They uh, they have this ridiculous aerobic uh, fight to try and get it. And uh, she says the line, yeah, don't get that goop in my hair. And then he says you can get out with peanut butter or uh, what's the other one? Or ice. <laughs> or ice, yeah, ice for peanut butter. <laughs> she tries at one point to even convince him to, you know, split the split the take with her. He says, uh, <laughs> we just met. I'm not that kind of spider. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which she retorts with, give a girl a chance, she'll make you that kind of spider. <laughs> and then, like, he says he's blushing. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, what is happening? Now, I'm going to bring this. How old is she supposed to be here? Because he's literally a high school student. (laughs) And she's pretty much throwing herself at him the entire episode. She doesn't know that. She's just a a cat burglar, you know? She's just having a fun time. (laughs) I uh, I, I don't know. Maybe, uh, I, I guess if she's a cat burglar and she's not, like, worried about (laughs) <laughs> breaking into you know high stakes buildings with gems and stuff i, I guess she's not worried not too worried about age <laughs> like, i i don't know uh they they never really breached the subject of the episode at all well i guess you have to go on the assumption his name's spider-man so she has no reason yeah to think he's a He's, He's a, a man, a legal man who can buy <laughs> beer and cigarettes and doesn't have to use a fake ID. Uh, now, during the fight, unbeknownst to Spider-Man, the symbiote attaches itself to his foot. We're getting the. This is the beginning of the Venom storyline. Yeah, yeah, that's a great way to introduce the Venom storyline. Like the original appearance, where at first Spider-Man didn't really realize the what the costume was, so. Uh, 
That's kind of neat. We switch to the Daily Bugle, and right on the front page it says, Spider Thief. <laughs> so uh, they used his, like they often do, used Peter's pictures to make Spider-Man look like the bad guy. We also get a thing where uh, Eddie Brock, he's pretty mad at Peter. He saw it all and didn't call the police. He's done with that guy. Yeah, he, uh, he believes that he was just there taking photos of everything and just, you know, he showed up when he shouldn't have. He shouldn't have been hanging out there trying to capitalize on this thievery that that, that took place the night before. There's a, uh, <laughs> Peter, Gun- he, he's really mad at JJ for uh, re- you know misleading the public with uh, these uh things and at one point jj yells at him to get out of his office or he's gonna staple him to a flagpole <laughs> i do like how violent jj is <laughs> to him in this series um the guy who does him darren norris he's a good j jonah jameson i think he's got a lot of the Ramy jameson in him almost to a fault at certain times like when he gets a little loud it, it just doesn't come off the same way we find out that uh, Kurt Connors uh, apparently lied about seeing Spider-Man and Black Cat get into it, which you find out uh, the chameleon was actually disguised. And he has a couple of henchmen who are hanging out with him, too, when you find out about him being in disguise. Some uh, cool uh, gadgets they have. Yeah, and the the guy who does his makeup, he plays a very important role later on in the series. So uh, at one point, the uh, without him knowing it, the muck completely covers him and gives him the black costume. And uh, when uh, Black Cat says that she likes the new look, he's uh, short, dark, and handsome. And he, yeah, that's when he realizes that the <laughs> the the symbiote has uh, bonded itself to him. He didn't even realize it was happening. He was swinging around town, just caught up in his own thoughts. At one point, they're both upside down, where she's trying to, you know flirt with him and uh definitely an innuendo going where they're his web and her rope get slowly tangled up together <laughs> he swings away because uh there's a uh plane is gonna crash and he has to save the day uh this is when he uh kind of first realizes uh he's got it and he says how the uh because he's got like his strength seems to be enhanced. He seems to be able to swing more. The web seems to be able yeah, to go further. Yeah, he's able to take this the wing of this plane and just crush it in to make it avoid a building. He says that uh, the ooze upgraded his spiderness. He he saves a guy when the plane crashes because he has like in, like unlimited webbing now because of the symbiote. And uh, he makes he's kind of got kind of a montage where he's thinking to himself that. Maybe he should return the costume, but maybe it's uh, meant to be. Maybe he should keep it. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a good way of showing that the symbiote is affecting his mind because if he was in a right mind, he would have immediately taken it right back to them and <laughs> made sure that nothing <laughs> was going on with his reputation because of it. Now, the next scene I thought was kind of weird where he shows up and Aunt May faints. And she's got pots and pans cooking everywhere in her kitchen. <laughs> That's how she's testing recipes. What the hell was going on in this scene? <laughs> Why is she doing all this? Ah, uh, you know, she's Aunt May. She likes cooking. That's that's, a, the, <laughs> that's the best just, we could do right now. <laughs> it was kind of weird. I don't even know why I was in the episode. But, hey, a woman's got to have a hobby. Come on now. <laughs> cooking is healthy. And uh, Spider-Man robs a bank, but it's in the red and blue costume, not the black. Which, obviously, we, the audience, know it's the chameleon, but everybody else thinks Spider-Man has finally turned to crime. Yeah, when he shoots the webbing that he has, it's just like a straight jacket type thing that envelopes people and ropes when it hits them. And then <laughs> the next scene was brilliant, where Peter Parker's at high school and everybody is making fun of Flash Thompson because... Spider-Man's his hero, and it looks like he's just a regular old crook. (laughs) Yeah, they get a lot of mileage out of that idea that Flash Thompson is really into Spider-Man and thinks he's a hero, good guy. (laughs) And in fact, one of them, like the the main cheerleader, is Flash storms off. She she has like a really like evil maniacal laugh. She's just loving making fun of Flash about this. 
Oh man, that cheerleader, she is uh I, I don't want to say the obvious word, but she is nefarious throughout the show and constantly just laughing down on people. <laughs> so then we get another the Spider Man robbing another bank. Real lot of emphasis that he's not Spider Man. They do a close up of he has little plungers on his hands. And uh <laughs> He's got obviously web shooters that aren't the same. Uh, one of his henchmen is warning him when people are behind him. If I'm not mistaken, the little cups on his hands like do a plopping sound as well. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and the vest is when uh, they warn him about the guy behind him. He says, uh, my insect early warning system is tingling. Yeah. <laughs> Like, is that really necessary <laughs> to, to announce it? Like, to, that's no one's fooled. I have to announce my spider sense as well. Look, everyone knows about the insect early warning system Spider Man has. Like, everyone's just aware of it. Everyone's completely aware of Spider Man's powers. That's the only way you can get away with the ruse. I mean, is, is the general public aware he has spider sense? <laughs> like, is that something everybody knows about? I don't think he ever put it on his Wikipedia or anything. Now, there's more pictures they send to the Bugle, which JJ is like over the moon about these ones because not only did he get them, proving Spider-Man's a menace, they didn't charge him anything for the pictures. Yep. There's one thing JJ loves. It's something that comes for free. Spider-Man kind of teams up with Black Cat where she takes him to a yacht party. He questions that they're going to be there, but she says that... uh. To trust her, she thinks like a criminal. She knows they're going to be there. That's a good way of her, like, getting back <laughs> in, into, like, the thievery she was trying to commit earlier. And at this party, like, JJ is there. I think the mayor's there. Uh, Captain Stacy is there. Norman Osborn shows up, but we find out later he's actually the chameleon in disguise. The mayor, I think it is, she has, like, this tiger, like, jewel-encrusted pennant she's wearing. Uh, oh, yes, I'd forgotten about that, yeah. got to keep that in mind. Now, uh, later on, uh, both Spider-Man show up and have a fight where uh, Captain Stacy notices that the blue and red Spider-Man is a little too tall. He must be an imposter. Yeah, it's a good touch for the plotting. They question that he is the fake one because he's not even wearing the right... He's wearing all black, and he says that... Uh, He's wearing black because he's mourning the death of his reputation. Yeah. And at one point, uh, he calls JJ Pickle Puss. Oh, yeah. I wanted to bring that up. <laughs> Hilarious. Now, a little off the subject, but you know J. Jonah Jameson is, he's actually J. Jonah Jameson Jr. So his name is actually J.J.J.J. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't know that. He's a junior, so he's actually J.J.J.J. And then uh, they try and escape. One of his henchmen uses the coffee and it turns into a giant smoke bomb so they can try and get away. They don't get away. Black Cat takes out his two henchmen with ease. And then uh, Spidey, uh, he like water skis because he attaches to Chameleon's boat and he's uh, driving it like a, like a water skier. But he even mentions that uh, it's like the suit is, is helping him balance and... Yeah, he, he's able to just, like, take his feet and, like, go through the water as if he's at water skiing. But it's just him, like, standing up against the current of the water. And it looks really crazy. It's one of the high points of the episode, in my opinion. And it shows the advantages they had with this animation style because they could do these long, extended action sequences with much more ease than the 90s animation <laughs> could. Well, uh, he finally he catches up with him. He tries. They get into a little fight where, but Chameleon's really no match. Spider-Man uh, beats him and catches him with ease. Yep. And uh, there's a moment when they, you know, the police are have captured the Chameleon, and <laughs> uh, Captain Stacy is talking to a police officer, and another police officer goes by, and he's just like, "Good night." And then we find out the Chameleon has disappeared. And uh, they, they find out Chameleon really was responsible. So J.J. gets on the phone. He's like, uh, all right, it was an imposter. Right of attraction. And then, he's, <laughs> he, then he whispers on page 42. <laughs> 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 yep, so the, the, the ambulance is missing, and one of the police is even tied up. So they think the Chameleon got away and stole the ambulance still. 
Yeah, I totally think that cop that walked by and said goodnight was the chameleon. <laughs> we never actually see the chameleon's real face, supposedly, but it totally makes sense for that cop walking by to be the chameleon. We get a final shot of uh, Black Cat and Spider-Man. They do the classic, he's upside down, and she plants the big kiss on him, where uh, she shows to the audience that she's hiding the ambulance. She actually stole it. Yeah. It's a steamy, long kiss. Like It's certainly... <laughs> <laughs> it's like crazy like how uh, romantic it is for a kid's show on the CW in 2008. <laughs> and he says some line about how uh, I didn't know you felt that way. And he had his eyes closed to the kiss and realizes that she vanished, you know, like Batman would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The way he says it, like, with just that pure, like anxiety of excitement from the kiss it's perfect it's it's such a perfect line reading and she vanishes and that ends spectacular spider-man persona that was uh, quite a that was a, a great way to uh i don't know how i didn't know she felt that way she's been making uh, innuendos and flirtations oh man uh, oh peter <laughs> you, you really are inexperienced let me tell you <laughs> But uh, that was a good, uh, really good way to introduce the character, I think, and uh, tell her story. Where they didn't get too much into her, but they uh, they gave you just enough to see what she's all about. Yeah, totally. And then we get a great two-parter later on with her that's even better. So there you have it. Spectacular Spider-Man persona. Was it everything you remembered and more? Oh, yeah. it's It holds up really well. I... I think there are live action TV shows that could <laughs> learn from its economy and how like witty it is. They are pretty good at continuity. Like story flows from episode to episode. Uh, yeah. Like in this one, we not only get this black cat storyline, we're also continuing a story with the chameleon. We get like a little bit of character shading for a villain that comes in later. And we get the beginning of the black suit which eventually becomes Venom. I'm not, okay, the Venom in this series isn't my favorite, but it's still pretty okay. Like, it still functions pretty well, and the build-up to it is really good. It's Yeah, it's excellent. So, we're going to rank what we just saw. We're going to go over to the Spectrometer. new for you robbie but for anybody new listening to the show spectrometers where we rank what we just saw zero spectros is garbage four spectros absolute perfection what are you going to rank spectacular spider-man persona four for a spider-man cartoon i don't think it can get much better if if they could bring back the uh, 90s Spider-Man cartoon and give it the fluidity of animation this has and the, the just plotting and detailing in its writing it has, like, this is just so good. It, it, it captures everything that makes Spider-Man a likable and interesting character, and it, it, it's able to blend multiple eras of Spider-Man into itself. Yeah, four. All right, I think I'm... Uh... Am I going to go four? Let me think about it. I, yeah, you know, I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go three and a half. Uh, it's not perfection, but it's pretty good. Uh, I, I like the animation style. I was entertained by a lot of it. They're faithful enough, but they kind of had their own identity. I do like the animation style. Uh, the thing I had to get over was the block chins. Like the, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that was the thing I had to get over. But even as the show goes on, they kind of round that out a little better. Well, I think the stylized work, so someone your age can watch it and we're not, we enjoy it, but a, a kid can watch it and it seems like like kid-friendly at the same time. Sure, yeah, totally. Despite, you know, the innuendo, as I said, the, I, I do find this cartoon to be pretty kid-friendly. <laughs> um, they, one of the, things they were trying to accomplish with the show was to give it like the stylistic fluidity of Hong Kong action films and the action scenes in it hit so hard. Like I love how hard the action scenes hit in this show. But what did you think out there? Did you like it as much as myself and uh, Robbie? You couldn't have liked it any more than we did, but you could have liked it less. If you didn't like it, that's okay. We're just two guys talking, sharing our opinion. It's all right. If you didn't like it as well, it's, 
We all have our uh, our own thing, but I hope you liked it as well. But tell me what you think. Go to my social media and let me know. You can find me at Matt Spectra on Twitter and follow me while you're there. And Matt Spectra through the multiverse on Facebook. Give me a follow and tell me what you think. Robbie, thanks a lot for coming back. Always a pleasure to have you with us. It's always a pleasure to be here. Uh, sorry, <laughs> sorry if I'm not quite uh, up on the trivia as I'd like to be. <laughs> no, no, no worry. Uh, it'd be, I'd make fun of you more if nobody had gotten a wrong, uh, a wrong answer before, but you're not the only one to not get it all right. Usually we reach the show where we reach our plug time. I don't know. It's been a while since I talked to you. So if you have anything to plug now would be the time. Hey, you know, check out the past episodes of conversations with Robbie Sherman. We release it. I'm trying to get more up, but I've been dealing with so many issues outside of the podcast. I've just been on a hold for a lot of reasons. Our uh, last episode was with Danielle of No More Late Fees. They run an excellent podcast where they talk about all the cool movies they grew up with when they were working at Blockbuster in the early 2000s. So please check him out, and I hope you'll check out Conversations with Robbie Sherman as well. And I hope you're going to join us again yeah i'd, I'd absolutely <laughs> love to <laughs> sure you hesitated there i don't i don't oh <laughs> uh, yeah I, I thought you were leading into an end like <laughs> a little side off okay no, i was hoping you will come back and, and talk comics and animation <laughs> i will i you don't have to hope you are reassured friend I want to thank you all for tuning in if you have any suggestions for uh, guests or uh, particular episodes feel free to let me know and if you could uh, subscribe to my podcast or give it a, a five-star review, I really appreciate it. Share it. Anything helps me with the algorithm. And uh, that's about it for this week. And uh, thank you for joining us. And I hope you'll join us again next week for another exciting episode of Matt Spectro Through the Multiverse. Excelsior!